Federal government law enforcement agencies have clawed back more than $30 million in cryptocurrency North Korean hackers stole earlier this year. The FBI was one of the agencies on the case. Brian Capra is Director of Strategic Applications for Chainalysis. Thanks for joining me today. What's the threat landscape look like in crypto today? And is that different than it is for federal leaders in any other specialty? Welcome. Yeah, the threat landscape today is... uh I think the biggest the biggest threat right now is the lack of understanding of crypto. You know, like I spent my career, you know, looking at how terrorists use use money to finance their operations, and people got the the, the sense that we had to file the money, but didn't know how to file the money. So it took a, a better part of like twenty years to get people really on board to identify how you know different different types of transfer of value you know, are a threat, whether it be Hawaladars, traditional finance, and now crypto. You know, I was introduced to crypto back in um, probably 2012 uh, when I just I just left SOCOM and they were asking about, hey, what is Bitcoin being used for? Is Treasury looking at it? And we really didn't, you know, we said that we had people looking at it, but we really didn't understand it, you know? And so today, the big lift, and I'm sitting in Colombia as we speak, you know, doing exactly what I'm saying is educating folks on how people are using crypto to transfer value, not just for legitimate purposes, but also for illegitimate purposes. As I looked at some of the materials that you sent me, some background stuff, the thing that jumped out at me as potentially the biggest, uh, you know, maybe stumbling point for uh, government people to think about is the key element that crypto plays in ransomware and the way that bad actors, especially state actors, deploy ransomware and expect payment for that ransomware. Is that, am I reading that right? Is that really the, the, the prime thing that folks should think about and the way that it fits into the broader threat landscape, not just for um, cybersecurity, but, but for security overall? Security overall, but it, it you know ransomware is one of a, f- a few things that you know poses a threat. You know, using crypto, uh, for example, I was in Montenegro three weeks ago doing a capacity building for their national police. You know, the representatives of their FIU, their cyber crimes, and their state prosecutors, and they knew crypto. Um, some of them had mentioned that they didn't see the value of it because it was a Ponzi scheme. Nonetheless, you know, it's a form of transfer of value. Um, and they just got hit with a ransomware attack last week, you know, so it's going to happen. It, but it's one of the ransomware pieces is one of a, a few things that, you know, they need to consider as far as security goes. You talked about your experience 10 years or so ago at SOCOM and and kind of a lack of awareness at the time of the importance of it. What, where should organizations be in the federal government today as far as their awareness and, and is there a defense posture that makes sense for organizations to think about? Or is it, is it more an educational and awareness problem at this point that could develop into something more troublesome in the future? So I think the, the, the interest there on the education piece, we're getting a lot of people reaching out asking, you know, what is cryptocurrency? How is it being used? What do we need to conserve? Because it's not just Bitcoin and Ethereum anymore. There's hundreds of tokens that are being used for the transfer of value. Um, but the key piece is how do, they, how do they integrate the data that you get from cryptocurrency blockchains into their mission space? How does it support their mission and their authorities? You know, that's, uh, that's another one is the authority piece. You know, like 
what legal ramifications you know exist if we access a public public blockchain you've used the term transfer of value on a number of occasions i imagine there's a reason that you use that term instead of the term payment is there a definition there that is important uh, some other kind of distinction that's important so I look at the mechanism of transfer of value as, as payment, right? Maybe they could be uh, synonymous, but like if you go back to, to early 2000, when we went into Afghanistan, you know, the Afghanis were using lapis as transfer of value, blue, blue stones, you know, um, where we would train soldiers to look for guns, money, and, and people and drugs, you know, you would see a, shipment of concrete or timber go by but that that's a that was a, a the transfer of value right there you know so i look at the the methods and the behavior rather than the payment uh when it comes to payment i don't think money lies and i think that's where the the truth and and payment is is that if you're sending money to somebody you're sending it for a reason another note that you jotted to me is that crypto and on-chain data is a valuable source of intelligence, you write, for DOD, the intelligence community, and other government agencies. And I w- imagine we'd lump in pretty much any of the law enforcement agencies or uh, financial regulatory agencies into that uh, category as well. How so, Brian? How is that data, that information, um, a-, a source of intel? So there's, there's certain data that that resides on the blockchain that we have access to, whether if you're a law enforcement that, that can um, issue a subpoena to an exchange for additional information, or you are able to, uh, in some, some sense, geolocate, you know, an area. Um, I think, you know, one of our, one of our analysts was able to use some proprietary information to identify servers that a sanctioned uh, exchange was using and they were able to correlate that with a, uh, a uh, Russian hacking group. Um, you know, that data combined with other sources of open source data becomes very valuable when you aggregate it. In, a, in, in the nature of a technology that the whole point of it was to make it very difficult to trace, if not impossible, what kind of a, of a challenge does that present for LEOs and military organizations and others that do at some time need to perform forensics and find out where something came from and where it went to? Well, I, I'll tell you, like having people, especially people I work with like at Chainalysis, there's not a whole lot of them. There's not a lot of people that are very um, intuitive when it comes to crypto. Like they're, they're very complex uh, investigations, you know? So if you're doing peel chaining or if you're doing mixing or demixing, right? You just, you just can't jump into, you know, in front of a computer screen and start doing it. Like you really have to spend a lot of time, you know, understanding, you know, um, smart contracts, understanding the actual token that you're looking at and how it moves. Um, it, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of experience in doing it. And I, and we're just getting into it now. I think I've not met many people in the government that really have a, a grasp the way that some of the people at chain analysis do. What are the components that organizations should put in place? I mean, we talk uh, in, in, in the broader technology community and government about the skills that agencies should have in-house and the skills that they can, they, they can obtain from vendors, capability and so on. What does that look like in this sphere, do you think? I think the, the education should be should be baked into anything that an intelligence analyst is doing, especially if they're doing you know uh, financial investigations. 
um, I would warn that, you know, government likes to, likes to replicate things on their own. But, you know, the, the thing about the private sector is that they're good at what they do and cost a lot of money. They spend a lot of money to, to do that. It's very hard to replicate. Um, and, and I mean, even in my experience at, at, in the government, we try to do it on our own because we're very um, reluctant to let information leave, you know, our building, our facility for fear of, you know, trade craft or, or something like that being exposed. Um, but the private sector really plays an important part in the government here because we're doing it on behalf of the government, you know, um, you know, FinCEN, for example, you know, they are the regulatory oversight for, for the banking industry, you know, and their transactions. They only get a, a percentage of the financial tra transactions that are done on a daily basis. You know, Chainalysis monitors all the tra transactions done on, on these coins that we, that we uh, see on the blockchain. Imagine having access to all that information uh, in a fiat banking system. Chain analysis really goes above and beyond um, on the de detection and monitoring of that and ensuring that there's transparency within the blockchain. Is there a way to measure progress or success from a federal agency's perspective in the things that we're talking about today? I, I think in, in this space, if, like, if, if you have experience working with the, the law enforcement or the intelligence community, you will see requirements start coming out on cryptocurrency or cryptocurrency related you know, um, issues. Uh, you'll see an increase in, in indictments or prosecutions regarding cryptocurrency. Um, and of course, you'll see a lot of reports and analysis coming out. I think that's how I measure coming from the IC is requirements and analytic products. Brian Capra, great to have you on the program today. Thanks very much for joining me. Thank you, Francis. Nice to be here.